Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. I've been to my fair share of weddings. All of them have been beautiful. All of them have been different, too. Some people want a fairy tale. Others want something a little more down to earth. Whatever the tastes, wedding planners work their magic to give people a day to remember. So what does the wedding industry look like here? What are some go-to venues? What are the latest wedding gown styles? And how much will it all cost? Later this hour, we'll talk with newlyweds and some of the people who make weddings happen in our town. But first, the Department of Children's Services is under fire for failing to find immediate placements for children under their care. The numbers are troubling. In a five-month period between April and September, children in the custody of DCS have spent more than 1,100 nights sleeping in either DCS offices or transitional housing. Josh Keefe is a reporter with The Tennessean. He broke the story, and he joins us now. Josh, thanks for being with us, and welcome to This is Nashville. Thanks for having me. So let's let's start with the big picture. How bad is this problem? Um, well, DCS workers think it's it's pretty bad. Um, it seems to be worse than it's than it's been. Um, I think it's it's worth mentioning though. This isn't a new problem. Um, it's been this way a couple of years. There's been um, real good reporting from um, Channel Five, uh, Tennessee Outlook on. Um, on just on on just how many kids have been staying overnight in these offices uh, for a while now. This is the first that we're aware of real uh, look at the problem statewide. Now, eleven hundred kids over the course of five uh, eleven hundred nights over mm-hmm. the course of five months. How did you get that number? So what we did, we just asked DCS. Uh, this was about two months ago for all the data they had on the amount of kids spending nights in their offices. Um, Sort of unclear to us why it took two months to get us that. Mm. But um, they gave us uh, data for uh, since January, and it looks like they they didn't start um, tracking kids in offices specifically till the end of April. So really what we're looking at is uh, end of April to the end of September. Um, And what we have is that's, you know, more than 1,100 nights, and we have it by the 12 DCS regions. Um, Some regions are one county like Davidson. Some are a bunch of different counties. Um, And there's a lot of variance between uh, the regions. Uh, For example, uh, Mid-Cumberland, which is basically all the donut counties around Davidson, um, was responsible for about 450 of those nights, so Mm. a a pretty large percentage. And uh, we're not really sure why. Um, we've asked DCS, we've asked a lot of people uh, why those numbers are different, and they haven't really they haven't provided an answer, so we're not sure. I mean, children sleeping in offices sounds really wild to me. Mm-hmm. What are the conditions for these kids? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, again, uh, we've we've asked DCS about that. They haven't really given us any answer. Um, but talking to uh, DCS workers who are generally um, sort of terrified of speaking on the record because they're afraid they'll get fired. Uh, it sounds like, you know, um, cots, mats, sleeping bags, 
in an office with, you know, no showers or anything like that. Mm. Um, oftentimes a bunch of kids, um, different ages. And, you know, these kids, they've, they've obviously been through a lot, but a lot of them have a lot of um, serious behavioral uh, and mental um, problems that need to be addressed. And they're, you know, not getting that. I was there. just wondering, like, what this does to the kids and how they're affected by all this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think what we, talking to experts, um, you know, these kids oftentimes are already, uh, have experienced a lot of trauma. I mean, they've been oftentimes removed from their families. So they're already um, in a lot of trauma. And sort of the best practices is to get these kids, when you take kids from their, their families, get them immediately into, um, you know, foster care situations where, where there's sort of a loving family to just sort of, you know, try to make that transition as, as normal um, as, as it can be and to have these kids and then sleeping in offices with basically rotating cast of DCS uh, uh, workers who are coming and seeing with them and, and doing their best but these are not um, you know DCS caseworkers are not trained to be providers mm -hmm. right that's not really their job but um, doing their best they can I mean I've, it's I don't know there's no really sort of number on how bad it is but all the experts agree it's it's really not good for these kids real quick what about kids with disabilities yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of these kids aren't placed because of that. They're just there aren't places to to put them that have the the expertise to um, help them. So a lot of these kids um, just aren't getting the sort of resources and treatment and um, whatever else they need um, in this environment. So what are the factors that led us to this situation? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, so this is, I mean, to be clear, this is not new and is not just in Tennessee. This is a problem in many states around the country. Um, it was a problem that uh, was before the pandemic, but the pandemic has made worse. What I've been told is because we're basically getting kids um, who've been through more, who need more help, partially because of the pandemic. And then um, at the same time, we have less places to put them. Um, again, foster parents, a lot of them seem to have dipped out because of the, the pandemic, but also the, uh, the staff shortage at DCS, it's not only about having um, um, workers that go and, 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 and you know, take, uh, investigate work and, and work to help these kids, it's about having workers who go out and help foster parents and recruit foster parents. So that shortage has hurt um, the availability of those foster beds as well. So DCS has a new commissioner, Margie mm -hmm. Quinn, Quinn. What has she said about all of this? Um, she said that it's, it's bad. I mean, she said that she was digging to find answers to, um, a lot of the questions that, uh, people had about why there weren't enough placements. Um, you know, she's brand new. I don't th think she's really uh, put out a plan, um, for how to deal with this yet. Uh, I think that's, that's coming, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's been, uh, like a real, a, a real outline of, of how we sort of fix this yet. What have our state lawmakers had to say? Um, you know, uh, uh, Representative uh, Gloria Johnson, Senator Heidi Campbell had a press conference the other day um, in which they said that uh, they've been hearing from caseworkers and that DCS is collapsing. And um, they've they've sort of, I mean, they, they couldn't have sort of put it in any uh, starker terms. Um, they're calling for... Um, you know, they have a bill they want to put in um, or that they have put in that uh, would cap caseloads. Hmm. A lot of what they're hearing, what I've heard as well, is 
is that caseworkers quit because of these huge caseloads that they, they can't possibly manage. And then they quit. So their their cases get distributed to other case case workers who then have a larger caseload. And then they so it's this it's this sort of perpetuation of of a problem that just keeps getting worse and worse. So they want to cap that um, and have like a step down to it. So not all at once cap it down to um, I believe 12 is is their number they want eventually. Um, and with that, they hope that workers will come back with a more reasonable caseload. And people are saying that DCS is collapsing. I, I would gather that that would get the attention of the top politician in the state. So what about Governor Lee? Has he made any statements? Um, not really. I mean, a lot of, um, a lot of the caseworkers I've, I've talked to have sort of bemoaned the fact that, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot coming down from on top. They say they've been, you know, sort of sending messages up the, up the chain about, you know, a variety of different problems and haven't really heard anything back. Um, but you know, uh, they the other thing they get, they've been upset about is this, the state has quite a bit of a budget surplus that they feel should be applied to some of it, which should be applied to this problem. Um, and you know, they don't really understand why, why that isn't being done. Is there any chance of increased funding for DCS potentially in the next legislative session? Um, I'm sure there is. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know. Your, your guess is sort of as good as mine, I guess. Mm. But I'm sure there, there's definitely people who, who want that. Um, yeah, we'll see. Has anyone reached out to you since this story was published? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have. Um, uh, DCS workers, um, you know, also um, lawyers who are involved with the system. Um, and a lot of what I've <laughs> heard, quite frankly, is that... Um, and uh, is that people believe that these numbers are too low, mm. that they're actually much higher, um, which I am, you know, I these are the numbers that DCS provided, but whether that's just perception or whether that's reality, I'm not sure. But um, but people think seem to think uh, that the problem is worse than 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 this indicates. So what are you going to keep your eye on as this story develops? Well, uh, I mean, I'm definitely interested in see what what um, the new commissioner. Um, plans to do about a lot of these issues. Um, we've asked DCS um, a lot of questions about about this data, about their uh, staffing, um, just trying to get uh, our arms around really, you know, the large, the sort of scale of this thing. Uh, we haven't heard much back, and um, you know, we sent, we got these numbers, we sent a bunch of questions over to DCS, we didn't hear anything back, and then we found out that the the spokesperson. Um, who we've been communicating with was no longer with DCS. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to find a lot more. Hopefully hopefully, we'll get some answers soon. Josh Keefe is a reporter at The Tennessean. You can find the link to Josh's story on today's episode post at thisisnashville.org. Josh, thanks for being with us, and thanks for your reporting. Thanks for having me. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, we're talking about weddings. It is wedding season after all. Newlyweds will join us to share their experiences. Are you getting married in Nashville? What's it been like planning it out? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. Getting married is not for the faint of heart, or so I've heard. As happy as the day might be, it can be complicated. Couples can fret over the invites. 
How many people can they afford to host? Do they go with a band or a DJ? Will the venue they want be available on the day they want? And then there are the wishes of the future in-laws to factor in. Yes, getting married can be a beautiful and stressful affair. So since it's wedding season, wedding season in Nashville, we're asking, what's it like to get married here? My next guests have a pretty fresh perspective on this. Megan and Tanner Zarek just got married about over a month ago, and they joined me now. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thanks for being here, y'all. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank oh, you. It's so great. So great to have you both. So let me express a very warm congratulations to you both. I'm sure you're both very excited. Yes, we are. It's uh, It's been a wild ride, but we're so happy to be here. Okay, so how did you two meet? <laughs> um, we actually met on Bumble, um, but our first date was in a bookstore. In a bookstore? Okay, so Megan, what did you think of Tanner when you met him in person? Um, I thought he looked better than he did in his profile pictures. <laughs> Good job, Tanner. That's a rarity these days, I hear. I'll take it. <laughs> so what was that date like? Um, it was went much better than I think either of us expected. Um, just browsed some books, picked up a couple things, got coffee, sat outside, people watched, talk. Um, it was just a, a much better experience than I had had previously. And uh, it worked out for the best because here we are. All right. So yeah. go ahead, Megan. We, it was right around the time that everything started shutting down for COVID. So we had to find something not super crowded. So that's why we went for the bookstore and sat outside. And now um, on our anniversary, we go to Barnes and Noble and pick out books. <laughs> I, love, I, I love that. So Tanner, when did you know that she was the one for you? Um, I think it was sometime over the, the winter earlier this year. Um, we were standing outside and uh, it was snowing. We were had a fire going and I'm like, you know, this is this is really, really perfect. Mm. And uh, that was when I knew. Okay, so let's jump forward a bit. When did y'all get engaged? February 2nd of this year. All right. So, Megan, were you surprised when Tanner proposed? No. <laughs> no, it was something we talked about beforehand. Um, but also we got the notifications that the ring was being delivered and I was the one home to answer the door. <laughs> so <laughs> we had an idea that it was going to happen. So but it still was magical was, when it did. All right. So explain, tell me that magic. How did he propose? Um, he does a thing every month. He picks out a candle for me. And this one would have been around Valentine's Day. So he had like a love candle and not lit, but he put the ring in the candle and asked me to marry him. Mm, that's a smooth move right there, Tanner. I like that. Now. You both got you got engaged in February, but the wedding date was set for September. And that's that's pretty fast. Tanner, why was it important to you to get married in September? Um, it actually ended up being on the uh, anniversary of my grandparents uh, wedding. So we wanted to do that as a tribute to them. Mm, that's really nice. How does your family react to that? Uh, they thought it worked out really well um, and really thought that was a, a nice little uh, tribute to them, uh, especially considering my grandma passed away last year and wasn't able to be at the wedding. So uh, it was nice that, uh, that she was able we were able to honor her in that way. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about planning the wedding. You know, Megan, what did you all have in mind 
Um, we knew we didn't want to go super traditional. Uh, as far as we did, we wanted it to be us, not just a standard thing that everybody else had at their wedding. So um, according to the Harry Potter house quiz, we're both Ravenclaws. So okay. we wanted the bronze and blue to be our wedding colors. And like my hair was Princess Leia braids. And we did a hand fasting ceremony from Game of Thrones. Just little pieces of us to um, make it special. So I imagine you both are you're pretty both heavily into pop culture, huh? Yes, we are. Oh, I love it. I love it. Two birds of a feather. It's perfect. So tell me about the process. Was it complicated as you all got to planning your wedding? I will say no. And the only reason for that is because of Raina. <laughs> um someone put us in contact and if it hadn't been for her, I think it would have been a lot more difficult because there was stuff I, we didn't even think to think of beforehand, but Raina made it really seamless as far as I want a photographer that does like dark and stormy. And she was able to put us in contact with some and ended up finding the perfect photographer. And we had an idea of what we wanted our cake to be. And she recommended a baker. It, it was just, I, I, we would have been lost probably trying to navigate this ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we would have made it to September of this year <laughs> had it been just us. Yeah, for our listeners, Raina is a wedding planner that we'll meet later on in the show. But tell me, where did you all decide to get married? There's actually a place pretty close to our house in Murfreesboro. Um, my dad was driving on the road one day and saw it. He was like, hey, I think y'all should uh, check this out. And we fell in love with it. Is a place called Steel Magnolia Barn. Mm. Describe it for us. Gorgeous. There's, it's indoor, outdoor. Um, the ceremony itself was by a pond. We got married like on a dock and there were twinkle lights. And then inside, same exposed brick, twinkle lights. It was incredible. Nice. Highly recommend them. It was really convenient because we were able to have the ceremony and then walk, you know, 500 feet. And there was the place, uh, the place for the reception. Now, now, I wonder how did the pan how the pandemic factored into your decision? Uh, I will say one of the things we did want for a venue was it to be spacious because we didn't want everyone crammed in like sardines breathing on each other. That was partially what drew us to this venue as well because you were able to mingle indoors and outdoors um i will say we didn't get to invite as many people as we would have liked to just trying to be cautious but it didn't impact us as much as i think it would have if we tried to get married last year mm -hmm. now one very important question for guests like myself open bar or cash bar Open bar. <laughs> Open bar. Oh, you guys do weddings the right way. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake-Alona. We're talking this hour about wedding season in Nashville. Join the conversation. If you're planning a wedding or got married this year, tweet us at this is Nashville. Now, my next guest was married in June without the big ceremony. They joined me now to explain. Kalia Hesley, welcome to This is Nashville. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And let me offer a congratulations to you and your partner, Brittany. Thank you so much. So can you quickly tell us how you two met? 
Yes. So me and Brittany, we started working together at Wells Fargo in 2019, and she was actually in my training class. Oh, you worked together. We did, yes. All right. So how did you get engaged? Um, we got engaged December of last year. Um, I knew, like, after being with Brittany for a little over a year that she was the one, and I decided to propose in December. What let you know that Brittany was the one for you? It was her personality, and I've never had anybody care about me the way Brittany does. And I just was going through a rough time, and she was there for me, and I knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. You just had that feeling inside, huh? Yeah, and my mom was like, she's the one. And when my mom says it, when my mom says it, I know that that's she's right. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to mom for giving the cosign. Now, I understand that your wedding came together pretty fast. So why did you both rush to get married? Yeah, so our wedding um, was, we got married in a matter of four days. Um, because when Roe versus Wade was overturned and they announced that they were going to be looking at gay marriage, um, we didn't want to wait in case for any reason it was overturned. So we reached out to one of our friends and we got married in the next four days. What was that conversation like that you and Brittany had after the Dobbs decision? We were very upset and we were also scared um, there was just a lot of emotions, but we just couldn't believe it. And I knew that we didn't want to live in a world where we couldn't be married to each other. Mm -hmm. So where did you decide to hold that ceremony? I want to, so I'm not from Nashville and it was our friend's recommendation. I want to say that it was Shelby Park, but I could be wrong. Um, but it was overlooking this nice river. Um, very beautiful, very quick ceremony. So I wonder where you were planning, like, actually, were you planning a different type of wedding before this Dobbs decision came down? We were. We wanted to have our dream wedding with our family and our friends. We had actually planned to get married next year. And then just after the decision, it just kind of all changed. And we were going to have a ceremony, but then just the prices of the venues in Nashville, it just kind of seemed unrealistic. So how was that process going as you were planning the dream wedding before the Dobbs decision? The process was, Brittany is very creative. Decorations was going to be on her. I was just more so going to help out. But I mean, my mom was going to come because we're from Virginia. So my mom was going to come help us look at the news, help us go look at cakes and everything. And we just, we didn't have any of that. Mm. I wonder were there any obstacles you all faced as you were planning the process? Obstacles was really about all of our friends coming because um, it would have been obviously a long drive and trying to find somewhere to stay in Nashville just with like the inflation and everything going on. That was the main obstacle was just really the price of everything. Like what was the, besides the price, what was the hardest thing about planning your own wedding? I mean, if I'm being honest, we didn't really get to plan anything just because we just jumped the gun and got married. We had just got engaged and we had just started looking at venues um, and just going around town and looking at things, looking at colors. Brittany was already looking for a dress and then we just stopped. 
mm. because we knew that we weren't going to have a wedding. I'm sure your loved ones and friends were disappointed that they couldn't attend. And it had to be pretty heavy for you both. What do you feel like you've missed out on due to the circumstances of your betrothal? I feel like what we missed out on was our family being there. I'm very close with my mom. And it was just kind of heartbreaking that she couldn't have she just wasn't there. We couldn't even really FaceTime because she had to work. And I know Brittany's mom wasn't there, my sister. So it was just having everybody around us that loved us and wanted and loved our relationship. It just, it was very sad. You guys got married, which is a chance for you both to be joyous, right? Yes. Yeah. This is wonderful. Now we've got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation about wedding season. Speaking of, shout out to our WNXP colleague, Marquise Munson, and his fiancée, Sarah. They're getting married tomorrow, so join us in congratulating them. We'd love to hear your stories, whether you're a wedding planner or gearing up for your own wedding. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. This hour is all about wedding season here in Nashville. We've been discussing what it's like to get married here, but what about, what is it like for the folks who sweat every detail in the weeks and months leading up to the big day? Yes, I'm talking about wedding planners. How do they find the perfect venue, the right entertainment? How about that menu? got to know the food has to be right. My next guest has a lot of experience planning the perfect ceremony. Raina Van Stel, St- Setter, pardon me, is the owner of Weddings and Events by Raina. She joins me now. Raina, thank you for being here and welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So great to have you with us. So, you know, I understand you got an early start at wedding planning. Tell me, How did you get into the industry? I certainly did. I like to joke that I was born into it. Hmm. My parents actually had an event decor company. So from a very early age of my childhood, I've been in the wedding industry. So you grew up planning weddings with your parents. When did you- Well, my parents- Go ahead. Did the decor. (laughs) Okay. But I ended up eventually planning with them. So when did you branch out and go on your own? Um, Well, when I finally got to college, I decided I was going to try something different because I had been doing weddings and events for my whole life at that point. Um, Discovered very quickly that I missed it terribly. So soon after college, branched out on my own. So you get out of college and you're doing it on your own. But I understand like you were doing some wedding planning in high school, right? What's it like to be a high schooler planning weddings for adults? Well, honestly, way back then, I hate to date myself, but way back then, having a wedding planner was unusual. And uh, so it was really more of a luxury item. I was working with my parents' company as a a wedding planner, and it just sort of fell into it by chance. And it just worked out really well for everybody. They could have my parents do all the beautiful flowers and decor and have me there to help organize and get everyone down the aisle. Okay, so you get out of college, you decide to start your own business. Talk to me about what those initial first few years was like for you. Well, it's it's a lot of hard work, especially getting your name out there, proving yourself. Um, this was before the age of 
Instagram and Facebook and really being able to promote yourself. So it was it's a lot more challenging than it is today. Today, making yourself visible certainly is a lot easier, which I appreciate. Um, so it's, it's a lot of networking, a lot of pounding the pavement and just getting out there so people know your name. Now, you mentioned that, you know, way back in the day, and I, I'm with you on dating ourselves, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned way back in the day, having a wedding planner was not common, but now it seems to be all the rage. What would you credit that surge in getting wedding planners to? It, it certainly is. I think the internet has a lot to do with it, having um, Instagram and Pinterest and being able to access trends from all over the world. People see different things and they want bigger and more, more elaborate events, more elaborate weddings. Um, but also people are just so overwhelmed in their daily lives now with having constant access. When you get home from work, you still are accessible as opposed to pre-internet days. You didn't have internet and email, you know, you went home, you were there, you had your time off. Um, so they just, they just feel overwhelmed and they need someone to help them say yes to less stress. Mm hmm. I need somebody to help me say yes to less stress as well. So, <laughs> you know, you cut your teeth in New York City, but you've been here in Nashville for about 20 years. So, yes, I have. What is unique about weddings in Music City? Oh, I wouldn't want to plan a wedding anywhere else. Mm. Not to say that I wouldn't, but it's it's the best place in the world to be um, not only a resident, but a wedding planner. Everybody is incredibly nice here and very enthusiastic. Everybody loves Nashville. Everybody wants to be here, whether they're coming for a destination wedding or whether they live here. Um, but not only are the clients just so wonderful, the vendors, I like to joke and call them frienders. We're, we're very close, very tight-knit community. We really supported each other through COVID. Um, we're, we're a family. We're definitely a family. If somebody has something that's going wrong, even if it's not particularly your field, you immediately jump in to help out. What makes Nashville a destination wedding city? Well, we have some of the most incredible venues. Um, we have absolutely beautiful weather. We have fantastic entertainment. It's a food destination as well. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just country music and barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I wonder what some of the most sought after trends people want in their weddings. What What's the hot stuff now? Um, well, definitely live music. It's Nashville. So you definitely want live music. Um, and of course, and this will never go out of style, having really fantastic food. But it's great to see people really trying to feature uh, Nashville specific foods like hot chicken or having, you know, meat and three at your wedding. Um, instead of just your standard salmon and steak that you would see up north. Mm. Is there a new switch? Is there a new style for dresses and gowns, wedding gowns? Oh, they, they seem to always be different trends coming up. And what I love about that is, thankfully, there are so many different styles that you can really customize it to your personality. If you're more of a laid-back, free spirit and um, you can go with a boho wedding dress, something very flowy and lacy. If you're more of a, a girly girl, you can still have that wonderful princess dress. Megan had the most beautiful wedding dress, I have mm. to say. Uh, but there's also for the more sophisticated, sleek brides, you can have that mermaid style, very fitted, um, very, you know, very sexy looking. <laughs> 
there, there's, there's so many wonderful styles for all different body types. I want to bring our newlyweds back into the conversation, Megan and Tanner Zarek. Raina actually planned their wedding. So, you know, Megan, what was it like working with Raina? I don't even have the words. Raina is incredible. I... I'm a little detail oriented. So a thought would pop into my head at like seven o'clock at night. And I'd be like, I, I think I should run this by Raina. And I would text her and she would immediately get back with me and help walk through things. And if I told her what I had in mind, she had recommendations and kept everything just flowing smoothly from the beginning. That's awesome. Now, you know, I know that weddings are a really highly personalized process and people, they have their demands on their big day. Raina, walk us through the steps you take when someone asks you to plan their wedding. Well, the very first thing I do before they even will book my team and I, um, I have a very large team of planners that assist me. I couldn't do it without them. Um, I do what I like to refer to as an intake meeting where I've got a six page questionnaire that I will literally sit down with them and go through all sorts of things, things that they may have thought about, things they may not have thought about to really get not only all the details, but a real sense for their specific vision and their personal style and their personalities. Not only can I then perfectly match vendors that are within their budget, but ones that will match their vision and their style. Now, Tanner, when you all sat down for that initial meeting with Raina, did you feel like after filling out that questionnaire and getting to getting a sense for each other, did you feel like there was a real connection and you chose the right person? Oh, most certainly. Um, we would say one thing and Raina would come back and say, I've got an, an, an idea to go with this. Um, especially we, we talked about our photographer. We wanted um, a, a dark and stormy vibe. And right away, she knew the right person for that. And the initial photos we've gotten back so far are just exquisite. Now, Raina, what tends to surprise people about wedding planning? I don't think they realize just how much is involved. It's, it's a full-time job. It's not just a full-time job for me, but it really, it takes a lot of time, a lot of planning, a lot of detail. There are a lot of decisions to make. I think also sometimes people are somewhat caught off guard by what things cost. So I'm there to really walk them through it. If, you know, depending on their budget, I can really, I break it down for them and say, this is what we have to spend on each thing. Um, certainly if we don't spend so much here, we can always move that over here because this is clearly more important to you. Uh, so it's, it's not just organizing your vendors and your thoughts, but your budget. Mm-hmm. Now, Kalia has, has, Hasley is still with, Halsey, pardon me, Kalia Halsey is still with us, too. Now, they didn't get to have the wedding that they hoped for because they were worried about the overturning of Roe v. Wade that could put gay marriage in jeopardy. So, Kalia, I'm curious, do you have plans to have a bigger celebration, even though you got married already? We do, um, but I think it's going to be a few years down the road. We are kind of thinking of doing like whenever we decide to have kids of doing like a baby reveal um, or a baby announcement. I'm sorry. Plus like a ceremony for like renewing our vows to kind of incorporate those into the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to talk about one venue type that's really come under scrutiny. Plantations. Raina, do you find people who want that kind of historic backdrop or more folks against the idea? of getting married on a plantation? 
honestly, um, I haven't had too much pushback with that. Occasionally they will bring it up in the initial conversation. And then I know just specifically which venues to gear them towards. So it doesn't really even become an issue. Um, it's more of when I'm doing that initial intake meeting, getting a sense of their style, their vibe, I can really feel out um, how they feel about things of that nature, how they feel about all sorts of things. Um, and then I can really gear them in the right direction so they don't feel intimidated or like they're not being heard. Mm. Uh, Kalia, how do you feel about former plantations being such pop, uh, such a popular destination for local weddings? I find that very interesting. Um, I mean, we didn't look at a plantation necessarily when we thought we were going to have a ceremony. But I mean, I guess I could get the vibe, but I mean, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. I understand. Megan and Tanner, what are your thoughts? Um, honestly, plantation was something we want to avoid. Um, we like stuff with historical aspects, but there's some parts of history we didn't want to really associate with. Mm -hmm. So we played it safe with a barn wedding. Yeah, yeah. And and how, Raina, how popular are barn weddings these days? They have never really stopped being popular. Uh, the wonderful thing, though, is that with recent years, we don't have just, hey, I have a barn on my property that I'm going to turn into a venue. We've, we've got quite a few what I like to refer to as luxury barns, uh, such as Steel Magnolia Barn, where Megan and Tanner got married, um, where it's built specifically as a venue. And it's got all of the features you would hope for from adequate space, beautiful handmade farm tables, um, heat and air, both catering kitchen, the whole nine yards. That's a luxury barn, huh? Absolutely. I mean, it's when you say barn, a lot of people think, no, oh, barn, you know, but there are some out there that you just would be completely blown away by. No. They're, they're absolutely stunning. I've heard of glamping, but this is a whole new level of fancy with a luxury barn. I love it. Now, you know, Raina, as you work closely with these people and you plan one of the biggest, if not the biggest day of their lives, what type of relationships do you develop with your clients? I've actually developed some very close friendships with some of my clients. We, we've become very attached to one another. And a lot of times I will hear at the end of the, the wedding day, they'll turn to me and say, I don't know how I'm going to make any other decisions with my life. If you're not around, I'm going to have to call you and just ask you random questions. Um, it's, it's definitely one of the best perks of being a wedding planner is being able to keep those clients that you love, um, meeting them for dinner, meeting them for coffee, being able to go to their their baby's christenings, things like that, because you you don't want to let go of each other. You develop a very strong relationship. And friends for life. Now, Megan, what advice do you have for folks who are out there currently planning their weddings? Get a wedding planner. <laughs> I, I don't think it was something we'd really put much consideration into in the beginning. And um, my friend Natasha from Larson Floral Company actually put Raina and I in contact. And... I'm pretty sure Raina had us all set by March or April. Mm. So we pretty much just sat around and waited to get married. It was that easy. I can't imagine trying to pull that off on my own. Tanner, how about your advice? 
Uh, keep an open mind. Um, there's a lot of things that we might have had like an idea of where we wanted to go, but didn't know how to get there. And so listening to people that have done this before is the easiest thing to do to uh, avoid issues. What was a moment that Raina absolutely came through when you all felt like you had no other options? Um, we had had some uh, potential issues Um with one of our vendors and we ended up being able to work through it, but she had a backup plan and then a backup plan and then a third one on top of that. Uh, and that just made us peace of mind. Like we didn't have to worry about that at all on the actual day of our wedding. Um, we never found out about any issues. It was, it was so nice being able to have, just be able to be in the moment and enjoy our friends and family and not worrying about things. That was the most clutch. Now, Kalia, we know that you rushed into your wedding, but what advice do you have for others in your position? What I would, my advice would be, no matter if you don't have your dream wedding, if you just up and you elope one day, regardless if a law was overturned, that it's going to be perfect because you're going to be marrying your person. Um, and I just think that it's important to soak all that up and not necessarily focus on the small details. Okay, Raina, what should people keep in mind when they go about planning their big day? Well, like Tanner said, definitely keep an open mind about things. Um, I'm always happy to make suggestions that I think would be best. You may love them, you may hate them. That's totally okay. Um, one thing I always ask is what's the most important thing to you on your wedding day other than marrying the love of your life? And then we put a little bit of extra attention towards that. Um, but definitely trying to remain positive, trying to remain calm. It's a very emotional time. It's not just the day that's emotional, but just everything leading up to it. Um, make sure that you take time for yourselves, go on dates where you do not talk about wedding planning, mm. <laughs> um, and, and make sure to take care of your mental health because it's, it's a lot. It's just really a lot and, and definitely rely on your wedding planner to take on that extra burden. Rely on your wedding planner also possibly to keep the in-laws at bay. I'm just thinking. Just... Absolutely. Wow. Yes. Wonderful. That is Raina Van Setter. She is the owner of Weddings and Events by Raina. She was joined by newlyweds Megan and Tanner Zarek and Kalia Halsey. I want to thank you all for being with us. Thank you and congratulations to you all again. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Loved being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely a pleasure to have you all. This just makes me smile from ear to ear. Now, look, y'all, we can't have an episode about wedding season without talking about bachelorettes, right? Well, it's Friday, which means it's time to get out of the studio and to ride shotgun with a fellow Middle Tennessean. Except this time, here's a twist. I'm going to stay put. Stay in my lane, as they like to say. Our producer, Rose Gilbert, dragged. I mean, she had to drag our executive producer, Andrea Tudhope, out last weekend for the ride of their lives. Yes, y'all, they rode a party bus, a bachelorette party bus. Buckle up. Okay, we live in Nashville. We all know our city, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer. Wait, haha. Anyway, we all know our city is famous for bachelorettes. It's the bachelorette capital of the U.S., or for CNN, the world. We draw soon-to-be brides from all over to come and celebrate their very last seconds of true freedom 
And in they come, in droves. It's really hard to miss. Their destination? Party buses, y'all. One of the most iconic and most controversial staples of Nashville's tourism industry. Well, we've never done this before, so we thought it'd be fun. Like a fun activity. A lot of drinking. A lot of screaming. That's Amelia Calcaterra, the bride-to-be who has graciously decided to let us tag along for her bachelorette bash. She's from Michigan, a tourist like most of our bachelorettes. How many of us who actually live here have seen how this works, where it starts? How many of us have actually gone undercover on a bachelorette party bus? Okay, full transparency, we were not undercover, but we did get right in on the action. The adventure begins at the Honky Tonk Party Bus Express Depot, located in an industrial neighborhood not far from the campus of Trevecca Nazarene University. The building itself looks like a lot of new build bars around town, all light wood and pink neon and enticingly Instagrammable backdrops. The whole thing is a pretty stark contrast to the plastic supply and manufacturing operation just next door. After a short wait, it's time to get on the bus. Doing this. Yeah. You know, we've been talking so much about woo girls since we started, and I just really hope that we find some today. Everybody to Amelia! Okay, now, transportainment vehicles have run into plenty of issues with safety in the past few years. They're slipping, they're falling off entirely. Then, of course, there was that one truck with the hot tub. That one was forced to close down. Right. So, yeah, there will be a party, but these buses have rules. How's everybody doing? We do want y'all up dancing, having fun, moving and grooving, vibing, y'all. Y'all can stand up here, hold on to this right here. Y'all can put one leg up here, twerk it out, whatever you're into. Y'all can sit up here. Do not stand with two feet up on the cup holders, okay, y'all? This is the biggest no-no, okay? We hit one good pothole. It's like, over with. Um, no flashing or mooning. I'm sorry. Damn it! The music starts playing. The drinks start flowing. Actually, technically, the brightly colored drinks are in pouches, and they're sipping from penis straws. Right. And we start asking everyone, what do you think of Nashville? I think it's the best city in the United States. <laughs> but I know it's a big, darty town, like, all day, all night. I love the music and just all the bars. Nashville is Nashville, oh, and it's amazing. And who doesn't love, who doesn't love the city? After about 10 minutes, we make it to Lower Broadway. There's a lot going on. Like most nights of the week, it is packed. The bars are spilling people in cowboy hats and boots out onto the street, and the sidewalks are teeming. It's loud. There's music on our party bus, there's music spilling out from all the bars, there's music coming from other party buses. It's all the same soundtrack, but it's a cacophony nevertheless. It occurs to me that we might be in the safest place on Broadway, isolated on our little party bus. Yeah, it may be sticky, and there may be a penis water gun filled with white claw that a lot of mouths have touched, but still, it's some kind of haven. I check in with the bride-to-be and see how her night is turning out. It's been exceeding my expectations. How is being on a party bus different than being in a honky-tonk or on the street? Well, I feel like when you're on a party bus, you get to see like more of everyone else around you, too, and kind of like 
screaming at them too. So like it's it's fun. So it's like uh, you're you're seeing and being seen. Yeah. That is the thing I have to say I did not really get until I was on the bus myself. We hit Broadway and it's standstill traffic. It takes at least 30 minutes to travel just a few blocks. So you're just on display. On either side of the street, people are leaning out of the open windows of the three to five story bars, cheering, watching, taking photos. There's a burst of woos when a song comes on and our bachelorettes get up and start dancing. Then we've stopped and everyone on the street is still staring. Men blow kisses, lift their shirts, motion to the women, call me, I love you. There are women on the street hyping up the bachelorettes too. And I guess that's the point, being seen. I've been planning my outfits for the past year, so. The Nashville Bachelorette is a very distinctive brand of country western adjacent glam. Lots of white and pink and fringe and bling. Several of the women on the bus bought cowboy boots just for this trip. So if you're going to put all that together, it makes sense you'd want people to see it. The party bus is kind of like a stage that way. I feel like a lot of people look at us and they're like, oh, that's got to be so annoying and whatnot. That's Kayla Herman, onboard DJ, bartender, photographer, hype woman, security instructor. The one person who's got the real inside scoop on this scene night after night. I don't find it to be annoying at all. I think it's awesome because people come for whatever event they're wanting to celebrate, and it's awesome they get to do it with us, and we get to make it happen for them. You know what I mean? Like, it's usually the most memorable of the thing that they do their whole trip, you know? And she's a Nashville native. Yeah, I'm born and raised here, so growing up, Nashville was not this. And it's a cool transition. Like, who knows what it'll be in another 20 years, you know? But for now, I think it's awesome. Vodka! That was fun. Shout out to our executive producer, Andrea Tudhope, and producer Rose Gilbert for braving the wild on Broadway. Thanks for tuning in this hour. Monday's show is about another time-honored Tennessee tradition, though this one goes a lot farther back than bachelorette parties. Folk art, from broom making to fiddle stringing. Tune in. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche and Rose Gilbert. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tuthope. Shout out to our intern, Tori Hoover, and the masterminds behind our theme music, LaRange and Namir Blade. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil E. Colonna. We'll see you on Monday, everybody and be good to each other.